Hello and welcome to the show. This is the Goodwind, and I'm Nico Lapalusa, your host. And what a fucking magnificent day it is! Oh my gosh, it's cold as shit, but magnificent nonetheless. The sun is out, and why is the sky gray in a midwestern winter's day? I don't know. Um, I don't know why clouds seem to form more in, in the winter, but fuck, the sun is shining, and that's pretty much all we can ask for in my neck of the woods. And yeah, my hair looks like some sort of Zoolander parody. Um, combination of... of sw- Damn, it is just fucking high. It is high and swoopy. Some sort of combination... Sweat and beanie and winter to create this look. <sighs> jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu sweat plus beanie plus 10 degrees Fahrenheit. But I hope you're doing all right. Thank you for joining me. As always, I appreciate you being here so much. And uh, fuck, let's get to it. There's there's just a lot going on in the world today. I um, so if you don't know, and I haven't talked about this much on the show, but you know, I'm part of the resistance. I know it looks like I basically am the poster child for the empire, but I am, uh, I'm a, I'm a resistance member and, uh, we had a, a large scale attack recently yesterday and uh i was part of it now did i know was i a mastermind no was i did i end up being a foot soldier yes did i know i was being used in a in a in a strategic strike no did i benefit to be determined and how i how i function in the resistance is uh, some sort of financial foot soldier now bitcoin is something I've been on since 2013. A lot of people say it. I was about it. Okay. I was fortunate to have a friend. So my story with Bitcoin is I was in college in 2010 to 2012 to 2013 or whatever. And in your college years, you start to explore things. The internet was really blossoming around then, and and information was just at was just out and about. And in my despair, or in my isolation, you know, I got brought to some documentaries, some conspiracy theories, some alternative ways of looking at the world. And I think that's kind of common in college is you get you're in high school you're living with your family you go to college there's a sense of freedom it's like what the fuck is this place where am i how do i make my clothes not smell like garbage what if there's inclement weather i feel a dry thirst in my mouth what do i do you know these questions come up and in this solitude, this desperation, this figuring it out, this 
sense of chaos, uh, a lot of new information comes in. You become receptive to information. You know, necessity is a great stimulator of change and creativity. <clears throat> so I got introduced to this documentary. It's called Thrive Documentary. Now, it's broken up into three parts, and it's not all that swell. I revisited it recently, but at the time, it's exactly what I needed. And the big takeaway of this documentary, along with another documentary called Zeitgeist, which again is broken up into multiple parts, and the first part's about like how God is, how all religions are based around the sun, but then it goes into financial institutions, both these documentaries, Thrive and Zeitgeist. And it talks about the fiat money system. So I don't want to lose you here. I want you to stay with me, okay? But basically, there is a centralized money supply, the central bank. The whole big shebang boiled down is this central bank sells money to the government. You may think that the government makes money, but this is wrong. What actually happens is the government buys money from a private institution. Now, the repercussions of this is vast. Because the central banks are privatized, they don't have to follow the rules of the UN, they don't have to follow the border rules much like a country would. And therefore, they actually move underneath the surface and they are literally bound. I think this is common knowledge now. But I think they're literally bound to starting... Like, there was, I think, five countries in the 90s that weren't using the central bank system. They were using still their own form of currency and those were Venezuela, Cuba, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Iran. And if you're keeping up, there's been wars. Oh, North Korea is on the list and Iran might not be. I don't anyways. There's been wars in all of those countries. And the US has been a part of them. So the U.S. is kind of like the, the, the muscle of the central banks. That's what it seems to be. You know, and then the, the, the hole gets deep, guys. You go into this hole, you're like, fuck. But when you find out it's actually true that printing money is a privatized system, that debt is a creation of this system, and, and debt is what justifies all of these wars, and all of this, all these interactions between nations, it gets fishy. Okay, so I I went kind of deep into this into this little. It's not a conspiracy theory. I went deep into this understanding of the financial system as it is right now, and then it made me a little upset. It's like, what's there to do? man, this kind of sucks, but there's no alternative. Like I definitely still want money. So what I did was I lived as minimalist as possible in my early twenties. I lived off of what this meant was I was living off the hospitality of others. I didn't have a sense of agency and sovereignty. You know, I was kind of 
yeah, living off of the the generosity of others, which it kind of like stunts your manhood a little bit, a little bit. There's something to it. There's something to cultivating that humility to be able to do that, to be able to receive and, and, and to find a way to reciprocate. But at the same time, like, I think it'll be more powerful to do something like that after you have kind of achieved, after I've achieved a, a level of sovereignty and agency, it might be more pow- powerful to, to do that or to maybe give back in that same way. Maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be the move. But that, you know, like, but come 2013, my friend drops me a little line and he starts talking to me about Bitcoin. And he's like, well, Bitcoin is a, there's a maximum supply number. So unlike the fiat money system that we're on with central banking systems, where they can just constantly print money, the supply is ever increasing. And what this does is as supply increases, cost of inflation increases. Supply being never ending is correlated with inflation never ending. Okay. That's, that's the, that's like the big takeaway on a personal financial level. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm involved in this money system where my money is becoming less valuable over time. And it's a losing, it's, it's an inevit, it's an inevitability that my money has become less and less valuable over time because supply has no cap on it. It's infinite. So the inflation is exponential as well. So he's like, Bitcoin, there's a maximum of 21 million that will ever be made and they have to be mined. And he started to go in a little bit into the technology, which definitely didn't understand then, still scratching the surface now of what a blockchain is um, and the function of it. But this this is a currency with a maximum supply so that there will be no inflation. In fact, there will be what's the opposite. So because there's a maximum supply and because Bitcoin can be fractionalized, it can be fractionalized to infinity. So there's still built into it the potential for exponential growth, but it's not inflationary on the currency. It's deflationary. So one Bitcoin can just be broken up and as the price or the demand goes up for a Bitcoin, a coin can be broken up into more and more smaller and smaller fractions, still equating to the same value. And I'm like, okay, I like this. This is a good way to get out of inflation. This is a fuck you to the centralized banking systems, which are have at least a correlation to a lot of the warfare of the world. And the sense of control and, and like power and centeredness of power in the world. And then the principles of blockchain are based in decentralization where there's no longer a singular hub of power, but there's multiple hubs. Everyone who participates is part of the hub contributing to the network. So this it's like this idealistic system. And I really got on board with the idealism of it. Now, at the time, to buy a Bitcoin, you had to find a miner, meet them in person, have a particular blockchain wallet. They would give you a, you would give them money, particularly cash, because the idea of, of Bitcoin at first was the anonymity of it. 
part of the, I guess, benefit of blockchain is transactions are are um, these long codes, and these codes aren't associated with you; they're associated with the transaction. So you can have an anonymity to it. So you could take ugh, as much money as you want and put it into these bitcoins. And instead of having your name associated with this money, it was a great way to like launder money. Another subversive government, like decentralizing the power of the government. And you had to meet up with someone and then you had to exchange a code and then you had to, you know, input the code and see that it would actually transfer to your wallet. And it was a thing. Also, I lived in Argentina. Also, I was living on a minimalist lifestyle off the like no money and off the generosity of others i was making 200 peso a month in argentina teaching english which was even in argentina was equivalent to like four beers a month one meal a month so i I wasn't making money and i didn't have the the way the means to start but my i was exposed to bitcoin 2013 it had me thinking i i found myself wishing at that point it was like three dollars three dollars at that point i'm like wow this is cool i would love to meet up and and throw some money in there you know with someone but it just kind of sat on the back burner now fast forward to 2016 coinbase and all of and there there started to be online markets and exchanges trading bitcoin this also coincided with me having a big boy job a job where i was making six figures doing chemistry and doing environmental consulting and the combination of there being platforms to buy this currency and me having money i was taking a portion of my paycheck and putting it into bitcoin now, this was back when Bitcoin was under a thousand. I think I bought my first Bitcoin around 600 bucks, 500, 600 bucks. And I was slowly buying. Now, do I wish I just fucking dumped all my page? Of course. But I was slowly buying Bitcoin all of that year. This was when Ethereum was around 15 bucks. So I was buying Ethereum by the, by the bundles. Was buying some Litecoin, dude, you know, doing the thing. Now, in that year, Cyprus, a small country, was going through a very, very strict socialist regime. the The country of Cyprus was like, if anyone that makes over a hundred thousand dollars, let's say dollars, whatever their currency is, we're taking everything above a hundred thousand dollars from you, and so everyone will be even. It was, it was true socialism. Now, to combat that, the citizen, like Bitcoin is built for that. It's built to protect you from a, a dictatorship or an overly socialist government. It's built for that. It's, an, it's anonymous. It's, there is traceability in it, but it, you can make it so that it's, um, it's secure. And as long as you have the, the blockchain code, you have access to your, to your currency. And no one else will. Because as the network gets more people involved, it actually becomes more secure too. So the country of Cyprus decided to go fully socialist. Well, the people didn't like that and they, and they wanted to find a way to 
get their money in something without losing it, without losing all their money. So that at that point, Bitcoin went from 500 to like $2,000 in six months. And this is right when I was getting involved. So every day I would look at, I would look at Bitcoin and be like, oh my God, I just made whatever. I just made a couple thousand bucks overnight. I just made da, 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 overnight. It's like, holy shit, this thing's doing the thing. And also coincidentally, I was like doing abundance meditations. I think I talked about that in a previous episode. I don't know the correlation there. Magic is weird. And, uh, you know, well, maybe that's, that'll be a different episode. Um, but, but Bitcoin was on the rise. And with Bitcoin on the rise, Ethereum came along too. Now, Ethereum is not just a, um, a cash value asset. It's it's not like paper money. Where paper money is not utilitarian. It is a symbol for energy for wealth. But really besides lighting it on fire wiping your ass, like there's really nothing to do with cash utilitarian wise. Now Ethereum is utilitarian. It is a network that accesses blockchain and uses the technology as you see fit. So companies who want to use the technology of blockchain, an access point is Ethereum, much like Microsoft Windows is an access to um, computer function. It might be similar to how like browsers are to the internet. It's similar, but but actually it's it's closer to like processing systems like Windows and like Apple for the, the functionality of your computer. So Ethereum is like the Microsoft, like the Apple of the blockchain. And because of this, it's, it's, it has a utilitarian value as well as a market hold, um, just like a monetary, a wealth holding value. And like, there's a couple competitors with Ethereum. One's called Polkadot. One's called EOS. And uh, and now you can buy all these. But at the, at the beginning, all that there was on Coinbase was Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And I fucked with Litecoin. I fucked with lots of shit. Now, in hindsight, which is of course 2020, I should have just been fucking with Bitcoin and Ethereum. But there was this period of time in 2018 called the alternative currency like boom. And this was when a bunch of alternative currencies built on the blockchain were being released to the public and you can buy them. You can buy either the initial coin offerings of them or you can just buy them straight up on different exchanges. And these things were going up like 100% a day. Some were going up crazy, crazy numbers. And I was drawn in by the allure of it I'm like, well, I can turn, you know, $1,000 into $10,000 overnight. Okay, I'll try. And I did. And I won. And I lost. And I won. And I lost as well. And all in all, if I just would have kept all that money in locked up in Bitcoin and just held it, locked up in Ethereum, just held it, I would have been better off. But I learned a lot. I learned about the exchanges at that point. I learned about how to trade cryptocurrency. I learned a little bit about reading graphs and markets just a little bit, just a small, small portion. 
and it taught me quite a bit. But again, like I said, I should have just been holding my assets in Bitcoin in literally just Bitcoin the whole time. I should never have even diversified if I wanted to make the most money. So ever since then, 2000, now we're at 2018, I've just been buying. I haven't sold any. So now if you stuck with it, Bitcoin went up to 20,000 in 2018. And this coincided with the alternative currency boom. And it was cool. I mean, it's just cool to be like, I don't know. I don't know if I should share this much with you guys. Well, money is just a weird thing. But fuck it, you know, it's just cool to be like, oh, I made $100,000 today. Like, I'm under 30. And I did a, a, you know, I made this money. There's a number on the screen that's associated with me and it's quite large. So it was just like this really fucking cool feeling. And so I just stuck with it. I'm like, oh, this can go to a million, right? And so I held, I just held. Now, if you know the next step, it went from 20,000 and then over the next year and a half, it went down to 3,000. Bitcoin went back down to $3,000. And at this point, I was a little defeated because I was like, Oh man, I should have, I should have sold at the top. If I would have sold at the top and then rebought at the bottom, I rebought at 3000 and we all know it went back up, spoiler alert, then, you know, I would have quadrupled my money or whatever more. Six times to my money already on top of what I already made from the, you know, from buying and, and it going up as high as it did. A nice, a nice mid-range millionaire or whatever. And uh, it went back down to 3000 I lost a little bit of, of hope, but I was like reluctantly buying around 4000 3000 I just kept, you know, I just kept with it, ha- kept some sort of faith, but I didn't have this strong faith I had at the beginning, which kind of sucked because, again, at 3000 we all know it went up to 40000 most recently. That's a lovely 10x, a lovely 10x in two years. So, but I was buying and I've always, and I've been consistently buying. And I've been, and this year, for example, it's been about Ethereum. You know, I the Ethereum 2.0 is coming out. I think blockchain technology is finally coming along where people are starting to implement the technology at a larger scale, corporations are, of course, buying into the currency, making it a little bit stronger. Bitcoin also hasn't ca- reached its coin limit. It's under 20 million still. It's going to 21 million and then capping. And um, yeah, it's just, a, it's just, so what I do, what I'm doing now is I converted some Bitcoin to Ethereum because I think the ratio that Ethereum is going to rise over this next year is going to be higher then what Bitcoin rises. And then when Ethereum kind of reaches its kind of top or when I feel, then I'll convert it back to Bitcoin and then I'll ride the Bitcoin up. And I would, what I'm really trying to do, I guess my strategy is just the, looking at the trend of Ethereum versus Bitcoin and playing that ratio so that my money's growing based on what's what's growing 
over time or in the time in the moment. So the yeah, 2021 is about the Ethereum or so that's been explained to me. And so, and that's kind of what I'm believing right now. And it's already done. So it's, I think Ethereum's reached new highs and Bitcoin went from 40 to 31, 33 ish. So it's actually paid off to transition some of my Bitcoin to, and some of my other currencies to Ethereum and watch it rot and watch it rise. Now, getting to the resistance of today, because I'm not all in on cryptocurrency. I diversify my portfolio, which anyone would tell you to do. Now, if I didn't diversify my portfolio and I went all in on cryptocurrency, I would be much wealthier. Mm. But, you know, this hindsight thing can really fuck you up. It can really fuck you up. And I have a lot to be thankful for. And I have a I've been able to acquire and accumulate wealth in a good way, you know? And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's always going to be, a have been a better way to play it. And, uh, I'm thankful to have been, you know, gotten in the game when I did. So what's going on now? So I also, I hold stocks. And most recently, I've taken control over my stocks. I used to have a little portfolio established by like, well, that's a whole nother story. I had an accident when I was a kid and I was given money. I had a head injury and uh, my ear got ripped off, believe it or not, down to about here, this halfway point down to the hearing canal, just ripped off and it got sewn back on. And... uh uh, I, I got some money from that. So I had this stock portfolio basically, and I didn't touch it. I didn't look at it. I didn't interact with it. I pretty much gave it to the, uh, the company, the financial company that's, that has the holdings and let them do whatever they want with it. And, um, most recently, I've taken control over that money. I've started to learn about stocks. I've started to learn about my feeling, about basically seeing what I can in the world and using my brain to determine what trends, how that's going to impact trends on reality, and then and then making a decision, you know, risking what I feel like I can in the moment. So, for example, I played Tesla perfectly. Believe it or not, I played fucking Tesla right up to now. I... uh I listened to Rogan, listen to Joe Rogan. There's an astronaut on there like a year and a half ago. And he was talking about how SpaceX is finalizing a contract with the U S government. This will be the first time that the U S government has rockets made by the made in America. And I'm like, Oh, this is fucking huge. This is huge. And that night or the next night, I'm like, I'm going to buy Tesla. I bought Tesla a whole bunch of it at like $400 a share. It went up to 800 and forked, which meant that when a stock gets overvalued, sometimes the company will be like, okay, we have, a, there's a million shares. They're, they're worth $800. We're going to put another million shares in there so that people can buy. We're going to basically um, – oh, my God. We're going to um, less make it less concentrated. 
We're going to make the stock less, dilute the stock a little bit by adding more shares. And what this will do is this will bring the price down. It'll make more shares available. And, and what it did is anyone who's holding shares before the, before the fork got double their shares. So that day it forked, let's say I had 10 shares. That day I had 10 shares for $800. The next day I had 20 shares worth $400 a piece. And since then the stock has returned to $800. So I, I played it in a fashion where my 400 doubled, it doubled again. So four times in one year, which is really nice. This is a little braggadocious, I guess, but it's not whatever. It's like, I'm, my point is, is you can see trends in the world, learn how to see trends in the world. And if you're able to see them and have a decent grasp on reality, you can use money instead of putting it in a fucking bank where it's just going to sit making one, making nothing, nothing. You know what the banks do? You know what the fucking, you put $10,000 in the bank, they take that money and they invest it. And if you ever wanted to come back and, and ask for that $10,000, no problem. They have, they have cash assets because everyone's just put it, put the money in, but they're taking your money. They're investing it. They're making 10 plus percent a year on it. They're making money on your money. And then they're giving you 0.1% of that. They're making 9.9% on your fucking money. So don't keep your money in a bank. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. And what you can do is you can take that money and you can be like, oh my God, I really like fucking, I don't know. I'm not pushing stocks out there, but like, okay, there's like for me, I did Canopy, which is a Cresco, a cannabis company. I knew, I knew that Chicago was going to be legalized with cannabis. Well, guess what? The number one medical cannabis supplier in Illinois, which all the cannabis has to stay in the state. Cannabis can't cross borders because it's not federally, federally legal. So there was going to be no competition of the medical suppliers in Illinois. They had a, such an, they had a head start. Well, guess what? Cresco was the number one medical supplier of, mar of marijuana. It went recreational. They're only going to get bigger. So what did I do? I found out they were going legal. I looked at the biggest company that's in cannabis in Illinois right now. And I'm like, okay, I'll put in some thousands of dollars there and I'll wait. Guess what? It did good. And the market has been good. The market has been good. Most people have been winning lately in the market. So there, there will be losses. I think the market is going to be good for a little bit here. There might be a time to pull out or to re-diversify into cryptocurrency or into land assets or into, into something else. But I think the market's pretty good right now. And I think with things like apps that help you there, more people are trading on the market, which is only going to bring the value of, of, of stocks up. The more people that are involved, the more money that's involved, the market cap goes up, everything rises. That's why the stocks have been rising partially because trading is more and more accessible to middle class, to, to the lower class. So I think stocks are going to be a decent play right now.
And if you can see trends, you can even invest in things you like. Like there's this, there's this company that uh, they have a patent on psilocybin, synthetic psilocybin, which will be used for medicinally treating PTSD and trauma, end of life treatment, things like this. Now, I like that company. Did I think it was going to do particularly well? I thought it could. They had a nice patent. It was a decent company. And I invested into it. And all of a sudden, two states legalize and decriminalize psilocybin, Colorado, Seattle. So because of that, this company made a nice little, you know, made some nice money. Now, that was me betting on the thing that I like, putting energy and money into a company I like and it turning out okay, which is also possible, you know. There's another company that's using the waves of the ocean to make energy on the coastal cities. I like that. I put money in. It's lost money. Okay, I'm going to hold on to it for longer. Hopefully, they can figure their shit out. I put enough money in where if it went to zero, I would be okay you know, and that's the risk. There is a risk involved in this. You're not going to be devoid of risk, but you can play as risky or as not risky as you want. And it's all, it's way better, way better than just letting your money sit and rot in a bank. That's going to give you nothing in return. And they're going to use your money. They're going to use you. Which brings us to today and yesterday. Now, Huge, huge news happened. And you guys all fucking know about this. And this is my take. How do I explain this without being hyper boring? But basically these huge, huge hedge fund companies, people that really control the money market, really control the money market. Goldman Sachs, you've probably heard that name, even if you've never invested anything. You've probably heard that that name before. And that's because they're a huge player in the financial market. They're always winning. They're because they're at such a wealth that they can manipulate the market and continue to win. They can they can make the trends that make them more money. Now, they did something called shorting the market. Now, shorting the market is basically betting that someone's going to lose. So instead, most most stocks and most investing, and this is the investing I do. I'm like, I think this company is going to do well. I want to contribute to it doing well. Here's my money company do well. That's called buying shares. And that's all I do. But there is this other side, this dark side of the market where you can be like, I bet they're going to fucking lose. I bet they're going down and you can do that. And that's a larger bet, a risky bet, high, high payoffs. And there's no cap to the amount you can lose. And this is why it's interesting. So Goldman Sachs bet that GameStop is going to lose this year. And that makes sense, right? People are buying games through their consoles. No one's going to a physical store anymore. Why would you want to? Want to go buy a disc? It's basically Blockbuster. No one's going to Blockbuster. No one's going to Family Video. You can just order your movies through your TV, not have to pay late fees, not have to get out of your onesie pajamas. Convenience wins. GameStop's not going to win. It's not convenient enough unless they evolve, which now they can't. They can. Check this out. You know this. I'm sure you know this, but basically Goldman Sachs 
bet bet against GameStop. They're like, this this stock's going to nothing. It's going to two dollars, and we bet that it's going to go to two dollars. Now, people on Reddit, I don't know who these people are. I don't. I'm not even on Reddit. But a huge community got together and they said, you know what? Fuck Goldman Sachs. Fuck these large corporate, these large money market corporations, these hedge funds. We're going to drive the price of these stocks that they shorted, these stocks that they bet we're going to lose. We're going to keep them winning. And we're going to, and we're going to drive the price up. Now, the beautiful part about this is, when you short something, when you bet it's going to lose, you basically, anything that it does in the opposite, if it goes up, that's what you owe. The percentage it goes up is the percentage compounded on what you owe. So if you bet a million dollars, let's say, that it's going to go from $4 to $2, if it goes to $2, guess what? You double up you double up your money. Your $1 million is worth $2 million. And you do it without ever having to put money in, shorting. You're actually you're borrowing money. Now, if, the, if it goes from $4 to $8, then you lose double your money. Now you owe $2 million. Well, guess what the fuck happened? The people took GameStop from $4 to $400. If they put a million dollars in, which they more likely they most likely put in much more than that. They let's say they put a billion dollars that GameStop was going to go from $4 to $2. It went from 4 to 400. Now, I don't know my math on this. But that's that's saying um now Goldman Sachs owes four trillion dollars. On their billion dollar bet, they lost nine hundred and ninety nine billion dollars. I think my math's right on it. Or they lost or it went up to Four billion, so they lost three ninety nine billion dollars because there's no ceiling on a short. So this was like a huge resistance by people, by popular culture, using the internet, using Reddit as a fuck you to the man, taking down these huge financial institutions. You want to talk about? I mean, you guys remember the uh, March on Wall Street? Well, this is the actual March on Wall Street. This is history. This is using their game against them with popular culture. So it took GameStop from four. Now, this means anyone who bought GameStop at $4 and took it to 400, they 100 times their money. It was like cryptocurrency. People made tons of fucking money on this worthless stock. GameStop is a worthless company. It is equivalent to block owning Blockbuster stock right now, which is no longer. 
it's basically nothing. And now it's completely revitalized. And these large financial institutions which shorted it, rightfully so. It logically made sense that they were going to lose based on what we were just talking about. Well, now they owe, they're going bankrupt. These huge financial institutions are going bankrupt. So much that they've been bailed the fuck out and they went bankrupt again. And listen to this shit. In order, because they were bleeding so bad, Robinhood, which was a trading app, stopped the ability to, to buy GameStop. It's, it's like, it, we, can't, we can't let these people come. It's such, it's such bullshit. But fuck, dude, the people got it. People really stuck it to the man in this one. This is like a huge fucking thing in history. This will change things. And I don't know how, and I'm actually a little nervous. I have to keep my ear to the ground because I don't know how this is going to affect the world or the, or the market or, or anything. And I'm a little nervous. Now, how, what's my part in this? Like GameStop, the people did this with AMC theaters and BlackBerry telephones. Again, two companies that don't aren't looking too good. They're not looking too good. And all of a sudden, okay, so this is a trip, bro. I, I bought I my friend told me about this and I put in a fair bit of money. It was into AMC buying it for $4 a share. The next morning I wake up, it's at $20 a share. So I five times my money overnight that I put in there. And I was like, whoa. I'm part of the resistance and I'm kind of, I was like shocked, man. I was like, I was shocked. Now, I held it in there, and since then, because Robinhood and these places have suspended the trade, you can't buy it anymore. Well, the pro- the stock is falling, and it's fallen down to about $10 now. And I'm like, oh, I just like half my money. That's the, the sticky part about this is like I went five times up. Yay. It dropped down in half. I'm still three and two and a half times up, but it still feels like I lost. Because let's say I let's say I made twenty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, or whatever. Well, now I only made twenty five thousand dollars. It's like, but I want you know, and that's just how it goes, man. That's just how it goes. But this is the resistance, man. The people are strong. The people can do shit. The people can make change, and by making change in the financial industry. We can really be heard. And I think the ways to do this right now is through the decentralization technology of Ethereum, of Bitcoin. I even fuck with Ripple, you know? I actually diversify in the big, in the cryptocurrency market quite a bit. I have about 10 coins. But really, I, I would only fuck with about three. I'm just trying to win on a few of them. Wait wait to see if they'll how they'll move. I like the technology on them or or whatever. And um, I bought Ripple recently. It got sued by the SEC and crashed. It went from $0.60 cents a share or a coin 
to 19 cents and I bought at 19, 19 and 22. I bought like a whole mess of them. And, uh, there's supposed to be a rebound. We'll see. So I bought, I have ripple, Ethereum, Bitcoin, um, chain link, EOS and uh maker and maybe just like some holdings and some other, some other bullshit. So I think, I think this is the way to go. I think, you know, taking control of your money first and foremost, getting it out of the banks, letting your money work for you. Even if you have like a hundred dollars, dude, that can work for you. Like it seriously can. If you can like even take a hundred dollars and put it into a cryptocurrency, I mean, the market's volatile enough. You can, it doesn't have to be volatile. You can put it in a more of a stable coin and just make stuff over. I don't know. Just, just, I'd say have like five, $10,000 tops in your bank account. And then the rest, anything over that should be working for you somehow. And the way to do that is cryptocurrency is stocks. Um, you can invest in any asset, look up assets, look up what they are and, you know, start creating assets. And since we're talking about wealth, it should be said, like starting a business is amazing. It's fantastic. I've done it a handful of times and it's a good thing to do, especially if you have a mission to your business, like it can be, it can make you really feel good too, as well as like putting money in your pocket and, and making you feel like a sense of purpose. But you're not going to get wealthy, 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 selling products or selling a product or you're selling your time, like a service. Of course, there's caveats to this. Like the, you know, some problems that you can solve are worth a lot of money and you can get very wealthy. But all in all, like, if you're trading your time or your labor for money, that's that's not the most ideal path to wealth. You're going to want to like develop assets. You're going to want to, you know, even invest into companies that like from the ground level and, and help build them up. Comfort, companies in information or it can be in services and it can be in products too, but it's not your product. It's not your service per se. You know, you get a team of people who, yeah. Okay. Anyway, this is kind of a fun episode and this is a, just a crazy fucking time. This is like, this is history. It's like financial history. It's kind of a revolution. We'll see where it goes. I'll keep you updated. I'm holding my AMC stock, even though I could sell right now and I'm still up two and a half. I'm holding out of principle, which, you know, pride is the death of, of people sometimes, but no, a lot of times, but, uh, I like it. I like the movement. I want to see where it goes. I think it can, I think it can make some significant changes. Man.
I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I got a lot of energy off of talking about this stuff. It's it kind of fun. So, uh, fuck. Good luck out there. Reach out if you have any questions. And, yo, leave us a, leave us a review on um, Apple, on Spotify. That stuff helps. It helps a lot. So, I hope you can, you can have time to give us a five-star review, a uh, five-star rating, and then uh, leave a review if, if you like what you hear. Uh, thank you so much. This has been the good one.